it came into our original program back in the day and you know you like anything you took to it like you know fish to water and you're very you don't take long between idea and execution and so for you what was sort of your biggest takeaway from that program well first i say thank you for taking a chance on me because I think I told you I had six deals. I think it was like four at the time. So right. <laughs> I had to lie to get in. You're like, no, no, I got six. I'm like, really? Okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Well, it worked out, man. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to the I Love Mortgage Brokering Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, we talk to a top rookie who's making waves in the industry to see how they're succeeding in today's hyper-competitive market. It's one thing to be successful because you've been in the business for 20 years. It's another to do it today when it's much more challenging. So today on the show, I have Justin Fallis. He's a six foot one, 300 pound power lifter who became a mortgage broker in 2019. And he came in, he talked his way into our program when he had only funded four mortgages and he went on to absolutely crush it. In his first nine months, he did 57 mortgages, he did over 80 in the second year. And so far this year, so this is in 2021, he's already funded 77 mortgages. And he talks a little bit about how he kind of went through a bit of a crisis of like kind of being a victim of his own success. But the guy's got amazing drive. A couple of big takeaways I got from this. One, he tells a story of how he copied J.D. Smythe. So if you don't remember that episode, you can go back and check out J.D. Smythe. He talks about how he would go to parking lots of uh, Home Depot and get business cards and talk to people. He shares an amazing elevator pitch. So his pitch that he uses to convince people to work with him. And just an all-around great guy, fun conversation, and very inspiring as a you know a new mortgage agent who's absolutely just crushing it in the business. So I think you're really going to dig it. Also, want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. So Finmo is a amazing collection platform as well as application, document collection, and lender submission. And it's interestingly enough, I actually didn't know this until I talked to Justin. Justin actually uses Finmo as part of his process. And so we recently started a brokerage for training new mortgage agents. And so we do coaching, sales, and underwriting. And we signed up with Finmo. And the reason we signed up with Finmo is because it's the easiest one to learn. Clients love it. It's got built-in smart docs. So what happens is as the person's filling out the app, it's telling them exactly what kind of documents you need to get. All around the customer experience is awesome. So check out Finmo. You can go to lendesk.com slash Finmo. And they're also currently giving away a Tesla for people that are using their platform. So go check that out. Check out Finmo. Thank you for you guys sponsoring us and can you do this and check out this episode with Justin. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for finally coming on. I know that we've been talking with this for a while. And you're like, oh, I don't know, man. And so tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. So I got into the mortgage business from being in construction. So I was a heavy equipment operator in civil construction prior to this and then a foreman. I had a friend that was a realtor and he made a ridiculous amount on one deal as we were drinking beer and playing pool one day. And so I was like, oh, I need to know a little bit more about this. We chatted and, and I didn't really like, you know, that he was kind of on all the time. And I liked the money, but I didn't like that he was. So I talked to my aunt who was a broker and she kind of explained to me that she has colleagues in the industry that make, you know, five or six or $700,000. And then she has colleagues that, you know, just make enough to kind of get by. So started the course. Unfortunately, my aunt passed away. So I wasn't able to work with her prior, but called her partner with the brokerage and he took me on and I kind of just jumped in once construction life was no longer treating me like I thought it was. Right. And how long ago did you start and did you go full-time right away or part-time? What was sort of the, you know, cause some people, when they're starting out, there's a transition. What did you do? So I believe April or May of 2019, I got my like officially everything done with my license and everything. 
So I, uh, I quit my job right away and jumped in and I only had about $8,000 in my bank account. And I like to probably spend like 5,000 a month on my life. So yeah, kind of a transition I didn't realize was going to be so hard. (laughs) Right. What surprised you most about the mortgage business? Not getting paid quickly. (laughs) Like how long did it take from that first, you know, okay, jump in both feet and I know you're that kind of dude. So you're like, that's just how you're wired, but how long did it take before you actually started to get paid? So the first month I got nothing, which I didn't realize. I mean, we can kind of side note a little bit. I did the JD Smythe going to Home Depot and talking to self-employed guys. Um, yeah. I was like, who's going to resonate with me? Seeing as I see you used to work with kind of your people, right? You were, yeah. And you know, I, I have tattoos and I have a big beard. So I figured, Hey, those people might do business with me. So first month I didn't do anything. Second month I funded one deal, but because of my split, I only got like a thousand bucks. I think it was. And then the second month I funded seven deals. You mean the third month or third month. Sorry. Third month. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And so did you get business from, so JD Smythe, if you guys can go back and listen to that episode, he talks about how we'd go to home people parking lots and talk to contractors. Did you get any business from that? Oh, I got a lot. So I probably got honestly anywhere from like 10 to 20 names a day. And I went for three and a half weeks straight from 7am to 1030. I saw some of the same people multiple times. The focus wasn't even giving my card to them. It was actually getting their name and email address and phone number. And then I followed up. Generally, I would do it every second day. I'd follow up with the people from two days before. They did Home Depot ever say anything or they didn't care? I never, I'm probably a scary looking guy. Yeah, dude, just so people can picture you. Cause like you're a power lifter and like, how tall are you? So I'm six one, I'm 301 pounds currently. Um, you look like a football, like linebacker <laughs> or like a lineman or something. Yeah. I squat 500 pounds, like every third day, twice a week. And I deadlift 600 pounds. So I'm not a spring small chicken. No, no. <laughs> you have what they used to call in the police physical presence. It's like, a little bit, a little take bit. Up some, take up some room. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you get an idea. So you did this. And then before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. So you have something that's really had an influence on you. Yeah. So I don't know who said it. I think it was a football player, but it, he said that success isn't owned. It's leased and payment is due every day. I think it was JD Watt. It was JD Watt that said that yeah. I would love NFL. Like there's, you know, <laughs> NFL is like the bomb. So JD Watt said that. Yeah. So how do you apply that quote or that principle to your life or business? Making calls every day, just doing my ultimate best every single day. I went through a bit of a spurt here of kind of like burnout a little bit. So still trying to do everything that I need to do to make the business run. Right. Instead of finding a reason. It's very easy to, you know, scroll Instagram too long or instead of calling a client, call your friend and chat for an hour. Right. So just doing the small stuff and doing it 100%. And then right, when the day's good. done, the day's done. And so this was your first foray. Were you a contractor employee when you previous? I was, I was an employee. I had a regional district job prior to coming here. Okay. And so now as an entrepreneur, but is there anything that you failed at now looking back, there's a lesson in it for you because I always feel like failure is just opportunity for learning. So what's something that you learned from a failure? Honestly, too many deals probably failed just because I didn't know what I was doing. I had a really good mentor and I had support, but I had the, if you can do these deals by yourself, you get a better split. So for me, it was like, you know, I already see the potential of monetary value. The faster you can pick it up, the faster you, you know, make more money basically. Yeah. So I think just the biggest one's probably not asking for as much help. There's definitely a handful of deals that I can think of just off the top of my head where I could structure them now very easily, but at the time I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Right. And is there any point during this last, you know, two and a half years that you questioned your decision, you know, maybe in the first few months you were like, what did I get myself into or how did that go? Honestly, not in the beginning. It was fun. I think the hunt for all the deals and the hunt for all of it was really fun. But the last few months, 
I've definitely questioned. I had a couple pain in the butt clients. And so they took a lot out of me. And then I think with COVID not being able to travel, I had a vacation plan for March of last year. And literally the day that COVID crippled BC was the day we're supposed to fly away. So I think just not being able to celebrate the wins that I've had in this business has really caused me to kind of burn out and uh, shout out to Ryan Wiley. He kind of talked me off a ledge like two months ago. Yeah. Um, after a Facebook message, he called me right away. So yeah, I think just burnout is a real thing. You got to be able to celebrate your small wins when you're, you know, in this business for sure. Right. Yeah. Cause for your burnout is now from being so busy. So tell me about that. So in terms of like your first year, full year, you like to track units, which I think is good. So how did you do in the first year and then how are you doing this year? So 2019 was seven months. That was 57 deals that funded last year was 87 and this year we're at 77 and I have 29 ready to go. Right. So you'll be over a hundred and you're like seven months into the year this year. So where do you think you're going to end up? You have a goal for this year? I had 75 to be honest with you. Cause I actually wanted to take it back a little bit from last year. Um, I realized family life and stuff and my personal life and training kind of took a bit of a backseat to working and I was working too much. So I figured we could do 75 this year and you know, that's a spectacular year. We could be happy. And those were kind of done halfway through. So right. I think we'll hit a hundred pretty easily. Oh, I, the numbers say we're going to hit a hundred. So if I hit 125, I'm kind of hopefully double down here the last few months. So we'll see what happens, but. It's, right. So it's, what is your goal now? We talked about this a little bit before we turned on, but like some people's goals, I want to do a hundred million, but you've sort of had a bit of a mindset shift. Tell me about that. sort of how you're defining your success. So a hundred million from a monetary standpoint, which none of us are in this job to, you know, be a millionaire would be obviously amazing. We would love to make a million dollars. I'm sure everyone listening would love that. And I would love that too, to be completely honest. And I'm sure eventually I will get there. But after my conversation with Ryan and the burnout situation, he kind of brought up like, why do you not try and do the volume you're doing, but work less? And, you know, realistically, you're doubling your income because you're now only working four hours at eight. So the game plan is to kind of keep it where the business is at now, but I'm only going to try and work, you know, half a day. Right. What's your game plan to actually make that happen? Like, what are the things you think you need to do in order to get to that fewer hours, but same output? So I have an associate who's been doing all kind of my backend stuff from approval on or everything he can do because he's not licensed just yet, but he's in the midst of getting licensed. So I think that'll be a big one. And then I have a second candidate ready to come on as strictly client care afterwards. So I think that'll definitely bring it up as well as I have already reduced my client calls to a certain point as it is already. And then the mornings are kind of just for like underwriting, whatever I have to do. As it sits right now, my days are done, generally speaking, about 3 p.m. Right. That's awesome. And I, and I started nine, give or take. So I'm a little over the four hours, but I already can see it shrinking easily. Right. What happens is you create a smaller container and you become more productive during that time. But also now you're relying on support, which is good. And you stick to the really high value activities and you can change the game. So what I love is that instead of the game just being more your game is better. It's like, how do I do the same, but better or with less you know, effort? So I think it's great that you had this epiphany because you can, well, you know, the number of units you're doing and lead to burnout. You only do it in a couple of years, but that's amazing. What's the single biggest change you made to your business in the last year? So I was always explaining kind of like pre-approvals or pre-qualifications to clients over the phone and kind of like breaking down an email. When I, before joining the cohort with Ryan, I had made my own kind of budget stuff uh, Mm -hmm. that he has. 
And so I implemented that and that's been a game changer with clients and is, has won me many, many deals against banks just because the banks aren't explaining like land transfer tax or this fee or that fee or penalties. And it's all there. So these clients know exactly kind of what their whole monthly budget's going to be as well with down payment and, you know, mortgage insurance, land transfer tax, property tax, everything is right there and they can see it. So and are you doing that via video or with a call? Video good, sir. Yeah, that's what I thought. Cause I know that's Ryan's jam, right? Like he runs a pretty efficient shop. So that's cool. Okay. So then you came into our original program back in the day and you know, you like anything you took to it, like, you know, fish to water and you're very, you don't take long between idea and execution. And so for you, what was sort of your biggest takeaway from that program? Well, first I have to say thank you for taking a chance on me because I think I told you I had six deals. I think it was like four at the time. So right. <laughs> I had to lie to get in. You're like, no, no, I got six. I'm like, really? Okay, sorry. yeah, that's okay. Well, it worked out, man. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing there was the customer journey, which wasn't part of the program, but you had given me access to it. Yeah. And then the fourth slide presentations, because I doubled down on realtors. I knew, like I said, my one friend and I kind of leaned on his group that he was with. And, you know, the foresight presentation was a home run every single time. Well, I think. you still have the record for most number of leads at the end of a pitch. Five. I don't <laughs> think anybody's beaten it yet. So I got a picture of you. I'm like, somebody's going to dethrone you someday. But so far, you've got the record for most referrals after a single conversation. And don't forget the vacation explaining the webinar. I got seven deals out of that. So. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. When you're sitting in a flip flops in a lawn chair and talking to people, which is crazy. That's cool. But here's the thing, dude, you did the work. At the end of the day, I always say, you know, you can give somebody the best ideas and strategies, but you did it. You deserve all the credit. There's one of the time we talked about something. What was your motivation? Like, what was your why that kept you getting up every day and being like, okay, you know what? You know, I'm going to the parking lot. Nothing's happening yet or whatever. What was that? So you may not be able to tell because of this beautiful manly beard I have, but my son was born when I was 17. I was 13 days away from my 18th birthday. So being a single father, he's been my why of, you know, I have to make, you know, at least a certain amount of money a month to kind of give us the life I expect. He was a big driver. And then having, you know, my long-term girlfriend and everything that we have here as well has been also like the extra motivation too. just to, you can't fail. Like, what do you want to do? You want to go back to construction and work 14 hour days? Like, let's really think about this. Right. So, right. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. And anybody listening to this, when you get that why clear, then the how you'll figure out because you just keep going back there going, okay, this sucked. You know, I'm sure you've lost deals and you've had just like all the emotional ups and downs of anybody in the mortgage business. But if you continue to focus back on the why, it's a great centering point. I think too, when you like, you look at it as like a file and you don't look at it as, hey, this is, you know, $7,500 commission check I'm getting. It also makes it easier too when you, you actually lose that deal for whatever reason, whether you did something good or bad or, you know, HSBC just wants to crazy undercut you or whatever the case is. If you just look at it as one file, it's not the end of the world. But as soon as you start looking at it as like, that's a $10,000 commission, you're going to be like, what did I do wrong? You get down on yourself. Yeah, yeah. you, you can put more right? weight on it than you should probably. Yeah. Right now, so the business, you've done 77 mortgages this year. Where's the business coming from? What's the split look like? So this year, it's probably about a 70-30 or even a 65-35 split between realtors and the kind of center of influence. I talked to Graham Campbell a lot. We're pretty close buddies. I was actually talking to him yesterday saying like, Hey, like the snowball is finally making its own momentum here. So I haven't done much prospecting the last little bit. And I've noticed, you know, more deals actually coming my way. The business is finally on its own path at this point. Right. Yeah. You, you put a lot of effort in to get it rolling and I did. Okay. So I'll move to some rapid fire questions. Now you can answer these as shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing that people can't find out about you from Google? 
So in my heavy equipment career, I did two seasons gold mining up in the Yukon. So I got to meet like Tony Beats, who's like the legend up there. I think he's on the show now. Yeah. And then Parker Schnabel, obviously, is like the main guy. So that was really cool. And then the other thing would be, I don't think it's on Google, at least I haven't found it yet. I actually played eight games for Team Canada, U21 team, when I was 16, 17 for soccer. Yeah. Uh, I was a goalie back then. So Okay. Yeah, I was going to what position are you playing in soccer, man? You're so, you know, you probably weren't 300 pounds in though, right? I wasn't. I was like 230 at that time. But so. you're still big, but not 300. So. No. All right. So what's a movie that everybody should watch at least once? So I think Grown Ups by Adam Sandler. Uh, really? I think it's just because A, it's a comedy, it's funny, but it also shows that, you know, you can take life too seriously because of your job and you got to enjoy like the smaller family moments and friends because those times don't always last forever, right? Right. Cool. What's one software program or digital tool you use for your business? So there's two. One is Finmo. It's absolutely amazing. And my record time is 27 minutes from application to all documents. Really? Yeah. The guys at Finmo are going to be like, oh, that's good. And then what's the other one? Uh, my cell phone. Right. Well, of course, yeah, but that's kind of like, well, <laughs> it's a given, but I have to say it because I know not enough people make the calls when they need to make the calls. Yeah, so. yeah okay. You're meaning for like not just so people can call you, but so you can call people. Yeah. Sorry, this is a side note, but did you ever struggle with call reluctance or is that something that you didn't? I'm just I'm curious. So, call reluctance when things were going maybe south or you know, you're expecting broker complete and then for whatever reason, they're coming back with something else. So in those kind of situations, I did suffer from call reluctance a little bit. So getting, basically bad news stuff. You're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. most of the time they don't answer their phone when you're trying to like actually meet the lead. So it doesn't matter. You just leave a voicemail and they call you back. Right. I see. Okay. What is one book you recommend for our listeners? So it is the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh yeah. I've read that one before. I have to look at it again. And then elevator question, you're in an elevator, you've got your ideal client there, or you're sitting in flip-flops on a beach, you got 30 seconds to explain what you do. How would you explain it? So I'm a mortgage consultant that helps average Joe Canadians build wealth through real estate by leveraging low interest debt. And I help them answer the three questions of how to put your kids to university, be mortgage-free as soon as possible, and build a little bit of a retirement uh, safe net. You've done this before. <laughs> a few times. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is not your first rodeo. Okay, so if I could put you in a you know, car, put you back in time two and a half years and you could give yourself some advice. Well, you're doing amazing. I don't even know what you could, what would you say to yourself, you know, three pieces of advice you'd give yourself if you're starting over? Three pieces of advice. Well, one would for sure be have a little bit more money in the bank before I made the jump into the deep end. But I yeah. think that's, you know, also a catch 22 because I don't know if I would have had the drive to necessarily make the deals happen too, right? So I would probably say I have a little bit more money, but maybe not too, if I had a hundred grand. Not I'd too much. Money. Yeah, too much is like, oh, I'm good. You don't feel like you need to push as hard. Yeah. Uh, um, second one would be ask for help on files instead of, you know, there's always a solution, right? And I know that now, but at the time I didn't. So when things didn't line up, I was like, oh, I don't really know what to do. And I guess it doesn't work. So ask for help a bit more. Third one would be, not have been reluctant to pay for other training. Right. You're reluctant to pay for training. All right. Just, well, just dude, sometimes yeah. like your course got paid. If there's some other opportunities I had where I didn't like just sales scripting, stuff like that. And yeah. I was, didn't do it. And I think it would have helped me get farther along. So, right. Well, you certainly are a fast learner. Okay. Anything else I should have asked you or anything else? I think just to newbies, the biggest thing is if you, want it you can get it and there's enough people in the i love mortgage brokering group that have been there and done it i know from my personal experience i've reached out to a handful of people 
that are where I would like to be eventually. And they have not necessarily had open arms, but they've definitely given me 10 or 15 minutes of their time to pick their brains. So, you know, if you see somebody that you really, you know, connect with, you think through whatever the posts or anything like that, don't be as scared to reach out. People have always been there and they've gone through these, you know, trials and tribulations to get where they are at. So, yeah, that's really good advice. I always say there's no problem in the mortgage business. Somebody else hasn't already solved. Exactly. Your problem is not how it's who, like, you know, it's not how it's like, who knows how to do this, right? Who knows how to solve that deal? Who knows how to, whatever my situation is. So that's really good. Well, Justin, man, I'm excited to see what you continue doing. Continue to compress that work day, you know, so you can have a great work-life balance and then the deals will be where they'll be. You know, I think you're on the right track, man. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you for finally getting on here and sticking to me. So imposter syndrome doesn't win this day. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy that you'd say that considering what you've already done in such a short period of time. But yeah, it's awesome. Good chat with you, man. Thanks, my friend. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.